listening to the Testudo Times Podcast, the official podcast of SB Nation's Maryland Terrapins Colossus. And welcome to episode 77 of the Testudo Times Podcast, where here we give departing managing editors a mixtape to thank them for all of their service. Ryan, when we give you your mixtape, at some point in the distant future, uh, what would you like to be on it? Uh, that's you know that's a good question. I'd say I'd say Zach Brown Band is probably probably what I'd say. That's that, that's a that's a safe one. Doesn't doesn't that's, really get old for me. That's a bit bold. That's bold. Yeah, I feel like that's that's a pretty that's a pretty uh pretty cold cold take right there for me. Uh, they're kind of boring, but I don't know if we're really adding into music takes. Anything else? Uh, you know nothing. Nothing that uh you know jumps out at me right now. No Nickelback. Uh, no, no. I'm not. I'm not probably as anti Nickelback as the average person, but uh, you know Nickelback isn't a thing I would seek out ever. That 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 certainly is a bit less of a cold take than your uh, Zach Brown band thing. Uh, Thomas, what would you want on your mixtape? Um, I don't really know. Uh, probably some. Just there's some good. There, th- my name isn't any good with puns. Is the, is the problem? Although maybe promise. So like, if you get a bunch of songs like called promise, that'll be my mixtape. I'm not going there. It on on my mixtape when I eventually leave this podcast for greener pastures at some point in the very distant future. Uh, if there isn't any REM on there, that would be a, a bit of a problem or Pearl Jam. And I'd probably like some Talking Heads as well. In fact, I, I might be 23 years old, but I like music much older than my own age. That's, Nothing on I, that? I, I think, I mean, that, that, that's fine. That's, that's again, you know, as, as is usually the case in this podcast, I don't think that we're, we've spouted out any, any hot takes with, with lingering on too much. I think no, we, I, don't I, think I respect at all. that. How could anybody say they dislike REM? Anyway, uh, the reason why we're talking about this is because, of course, you all know this by now. Maryland gave out a Mellow Trimble mixtape at the game Saturday because Maryland assumes clearly that Mellow Trimble isn't going to be there next year, despite the fact that Mellow doesn't want to talk about it for obvious reasons. Don't you feel that this is getting kind of weird, Brian? Like the whole Mellow Trimble, we want you to stay, even though it's pretty obvious that we think you're leaving thing? Yes. Uh, I'd, I'd say this thing definitely falls into the category of weird. It's uh, And it, it's just kind of funny because Mellow is just uh you know he's just such a quiet just reserved person um you know on the court anyone if they make a you know game winning shot is going to you know react in a somewhat excited manner but he wasn't even you know he just pretty much stayed there you know like grabbed his jersey but like um i don't know it's just funny that it's it's mellow and that they're making a big deal out of it and like you see in all the videos like the the other players are clearly like what are we? What what exactly are we doing here? Say for maybe Andrew Terrell, but um, yeah, it was they they played he both lives of the for music those videos, of course, of course, and they they played the music, the music videos during each of the past two games, oh, and it's just it's getting creepy uh, now. They played it again in the Michigan State game, and all the Michigan State media behind us were like, "What in the hell is going on?" But um, yeah, it is it is interesting because. They released the first one, and you're like, oh, that's, you know. And then, you know, after two, it's like, it's pretty clearly a, like, you know, stay home effort. And, like, the whole 
stay at home thing is kind of just like, well, that's not really a thing that's going to affect it very much. Melo is going to go, go pro if he has a, you know, if he's going to be in a good situation, if he's like not going to get drafted, then he's probably not going to go pro, but that's pretty much where this decision is going to, that, that, the, that's going to be the basis of the decision. Not, not really how much Maryland wants him or how many mixtapes Maryland makes of him. Um, I think, you know, it was the whole mixtape thing was, I mean, it was funny, but it was weird in that, like, I I only imagine if I'm like another player on the team and I'm just kind of like, just, I'd I'd feel weirded out about it too a little bit, but you know, I don't know. The media and the fans feel weird about it. Where you have left uh, say anything territory with the boombox playing in your eyes on your shoulder and we have reached misery territory. For those of you who don't know that reference, that's a Stephen King book in which a crazy fan of an author captures the author and holds him hostage. We have reached that territory now where I'm referencing Stephen King things on a Maryland sports podcast. Thomas, that's how deceptively stupid and weird this situation is getting. It wasn't. It, it, it doesn't seem like it's that bad. I mean, I like the website. Yeah. And I, I, the mixtape is fine. I mean, it's at Ryan's house now. They gave us one. Um, I don't know if you've listened to it yet. Uh, well, I mean, I've, listened, I I've, I've, I've heard the songs. Yeah, we, well, we know the songs. I mean, you know, I wonder how they sound in your CD player, if if you if anyone still has those. When well, when I when I find a CD player, I will find one. That's you don't have that's one the thing. I, I don't know. Uh, ooh. Oh, I I guess I guess I do have one in my car. I just haven't used it in forever because I just you know have Spotify. Road trip. Oh, a road trip with Ryan listening to Mellow Tribbles mixtape. Well, hey, I'm just oh, excited boy. that uh, you know last year Alex and uh, and Matt made a 15-hour journey to Indianapolis for the tournament, and I give you a nice segue here. And now this time Matt and I just have to take a you know half-hour metro ride, and we are right there. As long as the metro isn't on fire. Yes. Okay. Let's let's actually get to the Michigan State game because while we talked about this last week and we thought a number of things could happen, blowouts either way, as a slate of possible results, turned out this game was pretty close the entire way and for a long time, Maryland wasn't been able to stop anybody inside. Nick Ward had a great game. Miles Bridges did Miles Bridges things, but I guess it's fitting that Mellon Trimble hit a buzzer beater basically to win the game and what is we all assume his last home game, Ryan. Is there much more to that game than just it was close and Maryland had a difference maker at home? Yeah, I mean, I think ultimately going into the game, you know, Maryland, we all figured was, you know, just the better team and was playing at home. And it was, I mean, you know, nothing was shocking. But after, you know, after Maryland handled Rutgers really well in a game where, like, you know, sure, it's Rutgers, sure. But Maryland won by, like, 20 and, you know, Maryland's beaten worst teams by a lot less this season and uh so you know maryland seemed to be back on track and i think i i thought maryland would probably and maryland was favored by like six points or something like that um but you know i think it, it did show you know you you guys you guys blasted me on the podcast a little bit last time for uh saying that michigan state wasn't that bad and uh you know michigan state was a pretty good team bridges looked pretty good uh who's the who's the other like they i mean they had basically two players accommodate for like all of their offense but uh you know it was it was encouraging especially i'd say because you know Mello, he had the game winner he had you know he had a solid game but it was you know the freshmen all looked good again justin jackson hit some good shots from outside and sort of like 
for Maryland, I think it was encouraging, even if it was maybe a game where most people thought Maryland might win by a little bit more than, you know, just a buzzer beater. Uh, you know, at least on offense, Maryland kind of started getting things going again. And we don't encourage gambling on this show, but if we did, I would have told y'all, take Michigan State plus six and run. But that's neither here nor there. Thomas, what did you think of this game? Yeah, I mean, basically it, it was that. I mean, I said, you know, on last week's podcast that literally any outcome was possible. And, you know, it basically played into that, you know. It, it was really a 50-50 game. It was, it was tied for much of the last three minutes because no one scored for like a solid several minutes until Mello hit that buzzer beater. Um, yeah, no, Michigan State played them tough. I mean, they're obviously a well-coached team that just isn't as deep as, you know, previous versions. And uh, yeah, I mean, no Maryland player had a particularly great game, but everyone, you know, everyone brought a little bit and then Trimble came in with a hammer at the end. You know, it's a, pretty standard you know good maryland performance and that's what they needed well it's a standard maryland performance i think with the bellow trimble years if we're going to look back on a game that kind of typifies it i think this might end up being the game and it's so fitting that it's probably his last one i think i think when people talk about trimble in a few years you know that 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 shot is probably going to be the first thing they talk about and then maybe wisconsin i think this one will kind of be remembered longer than wisconsin I think that those two games, obviously, and then the first time when he really exploded against Iowa State in that, I think it was the CBE tournament his freshman year, and then the Northwestern game from earlier this year. Those were the, I think those are the four that stand out to me most as Melo Trimble amazing games. I will, and I think, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting. We've talked about this and how, uh, or at least I've talked about this with Matt, is that once, you know, once the season's over and once we – you know, say if Mello does declare for the draft and, uh, you know, stay in it, that, you know, we're going to have to go through a lot of, you know, Mello, like Mello's best this, or like, you know, we, we're going to have to go through some sort of mellow appreciation period. And uh, I think one thing that would be interesting would just be like, oh, like Mello's top games. And I think one that really sticks out to me was the loss to North Carolina last year. Uh, I'm oh, probably yeah. biased because I, I went to that game. That because it was a but, loss, but yes, ex- in the third exactly. Quarter, and that was, was like I mean, for half, for a while, you know, Maryland sort of faded down the stretch, but for a while, I mean, it was like sort of like freshman year Mello when he was just he just kept making threes, and you just like you didn't think he'd make another one, and then he did, and that that I think is a game people are probably gonna overlook, but that was uh, that that was one of my favorites. Yeah, he took over a game that had, you know, a bunch of, you know, all-conference ACC players on it. And obviously that against a team that, you know, was was a second away from winning a national title. And with Marcus Page, I remember he, he like, he just came back and everyone was like, all right, he's not going to be that good in that game. And then he was, he was so good. He was just good. It was a, he was great in that game, and I think that this Mellow Trimble appreciation session is going to get us a lot of podcast clicks and a lot of page views come the doldrums of April and May, won't they? Uh, I do want to talk about Mark Turgeon after the game because this was more than just Mellow Trimble assuming it's his last game. It was also DeMonte Dodd's final game at Xfinity Center, and Turgeon had some very interesting comments about what he expected of DeMonte Dodd and then what he ended up becoming. And then his comments on Melo Trimble as well. And Ryan, I know you were there, of course. So 
you can elucidate more on the comments about DeMonte Dodd. He is going to go down as one of the more underappreciated players from this era, and largely because he didn't score a lot, he got into foul trouble all the time, he got overshadowed, I think, by Checo at times, and certainly got overshadowed by Diamond Stone last year. But his underappreciated graft is a great word that we use in soccer sometimes to describe, like, the grunt work that certain players do. And Diamond Stone was a master of Diamond Stone was, and so was DeMonte Dodd. What do you think about those comments in DeMonte Dodd's career at Maryland? I mean, I think, uh, you know, DeMonte, he probably is one of the more underappreciated guys, uh, you know, considering he came he came into the program and was really, really raw, really just kind of didn't, um, you know, he, he played high school basketball in an area where there wasn't a lot of talent. And, you know, when you're almost seven feet like that and you're not playing against anyone who's your size or your talent, there's going to be a huge adjustment once you finally get to playing, you know, ACC and then Big Ten basketball. And uh, he, my one of my favorite, you know, memories of DeMonte sort of was just the, or about him was just sort of the sophomore year when, you know, Maryland all of a sudden you realize who's, who's playing center for Maryland? Like, oh, I guess it's, I guess it's Charles Mitchell. And then I was, I think I was at home for a winter break back when I lived in Massachusetts. And I was like, DeMonte Dodd? DeMonte Dodd's in the starting lineup? And then then he's, he all of a sudden he had he had one game where he just you know I remember the moment he like he had two blocks and he had two post moves on the other end and then Evan was like holy crap he this the giant seven foot guy who you know came to Maryland is is actually pretty good and then you know I think after that maybe people might have put maybe some unfair expectations on him but I think you know he's uh, I don't know. He's a guy that fans should definitely appreciate. He's anytime you get a guy who's been here all four years like that, Maryland hasn't had too many guys, you know, stay four years at Maryland in a while. And well, I, you know, either, 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 yeah, either they, you know, a lot of people transfer, which is totally fine and they're right. Or, you know, leave for the NBA. And I think it's always special, you know, just when someone's there for four years to celebrate that. It's definitely true. And, it was a great fan post that I know you're going to be writing more about uh, in the days ahead, but it was about Shaq Clear, who was part of that much ballyhooed class in 2013. It didn't go well, and he transferred to Texas, and this would have been his senior day at Maryland. And I want you to tell more of this. Well, his senior day at Maryland, I believe, would have been last well, year. It would have been last year, in technically a theory, but this is going to be his last college basketball game. Texas is not very good, and they're going to get dumped out of the Big 12 tournament at some point in the near future, but... There's a great story that in that fan post that I don't remember as well as probably you do, so please tell it as a spoiler, I guess, for what you're going to be writing in the next few days. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to keep it probably light on the details. You guys can I, – I interviewed Shaq yesterday, and uh, should story should be out by Friday, I think, uh, depending on how everything works out. But uh, a, a UT professor who um, is a big Maryland fan – got you know got this letter he talked to maryland and mark turgeon sent him this big letter like that he could give to Shaq, and he gave it to him after the game and uh it was it was just kind of a like a shocking you know first of all that this fan is going through all this effort just to show that like you know you know i'm sure when you transfer as a college player you you get a lot of heat on twitter or you know wherever and I imagine it has to feel pretty nice to, you know, even for him to be at Texas to see that, you know, 
Maryland fans, you know, that that there are at least people who see that, hey, this was this was a college kid making the decision that was best for him and that, you know, some smart people can realize can realize that he did what was best for him and, you know, can be happy for him and that he doesn't have to remember his career at Maryland as if it was some, you know, total disaster. And it wasn't, of course. He got usurped by a couple of men named Tchaikovsky and Don and then eventually Stone. But the funniest thing now that there's also another player uh, that's having a lot more success, he might actually be ACC Sixth Man of the Year in Seth Allen. Uh, I wonder if he got one of those letters. Yeah, I mean, I think the it's, it's interesting just because if you're a – like, I don't know, all of us who, you know, aren't playing college sports – I just got to imagine the the relationship between a coach and a player on just a, you know, like 12 or or however many man uh, basketball team, that has to be just such a close relationship from the time, you know, when they start recruiting you when you're in like, you know, maybe a freshman in high school to the time that, you know, you spend a couple of years spending almost every single day with him. Um, That has to be something that, you know, for a lot of people, you, you can't just put behind just because you leave the school. I tend to think that, of course, uh, and Seth was a great player. You mentioned the, what was, one of you guys mentioned on Twitter, what was the pre-Mellow Trimble era like? And I was just listing off all of the guards that played for Maryland. It was just like, wow. Mellow kind of changed the way we think about guards in this program. And now, I mean, with Anthony Cowan, it's not like there's a huge drop-off. Speaking of which, Thomas, woke Mark Turgeon on Twitter there's not a lot of great stuff going on in social media right now, but woke Mark Turgeon is certainly one of the best things. He went out and publicly criticized the Big Ten for not naming any of the three good Maryland freshmen to the all-Big Ten freshman team. That was pretty amazing. Yeah, and, I mean, you know, Jalen Brantley had already tweeted something the day before, and, yeah, it, it's very rare to, you know, see Turgeon stick his neck out like that. Um, obviously, you know, you want someone to stick up for his players and all his players seem to really, uh, you know, respond well to it. Um, yeah, I think, you know, it is, it is kind of weird for none of them to be on, although it makes sense kind of individually for each of them to be, you know, not quite statistically as good as anyone as, you know, someone else. Um, but, but yeah, it, it might be one of those situations where, because there were three of them, it was tough to distinguish, over the course of the season, which one was the most impactful. And had that been the case, then, you know, whoever that was probably ends up on that team. But yeah, they, they just kind of, because there were three of them, I think that kind of hurt their cases on this team, which is again, just kind of saying that we shouldn't put too much stock in these kinds of things. Of course not. And we should never put much in all whatever teams because they're arbitrary pieces of nonsense, but this, it really doesn't make much sense. Although Ryan, I have to admit I laughed a bit when somebody made the comment, uh, Maryland was, in fact, the all-freshman Big Ten team, so it's not like they didn't lose <laughs> much by being named to the big team anyway. Uh, just the, for the names, in case you didn't see who they actually were, Miles Bridges, Daw, Jordan Bohannon, and Tyler Cook, they're pretty good. Amir Coffey's a pretty good player, and Tony Carr from Penn State. Uh, Maryland should have had at least one on there. I think that's obvious. You could have taken your pick as to which one you would have liked. Personally, I think Cowan was the best out of all of them, but you can make an argument for Herter or Jackson. Uh, I just love woke Mark Turgeon. That's a thing that I want to see more often. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, Turgeon, yeah these ahead, last couple days, Turgeon these last couple days has kind of just turned into this, like, big Maryland fan, it, you know, just in, in the He's media. He's turned into one of our commenters. 
Yeah. No, hey, I mean, hey, don't, don't. <laughs> he didn't deserve that. Don't read the comments, folks. I'm just kidding. No, the he wasn't talking about great. how he should have been fired. He wasn't <laughs> <doing that. laughs> Very good. But like, but yeah, no, I mean, he's, he's like fighting back tears talking about, you know, how, how proud he is of his team at the end of the regular season. Like, I, there's, if they like make some noise in the Big Ten tournament, the real tournament, we're going to see more of this. And I can't wait. This is, this is fun. It certainly is. I mean, I, I think it's more emotional for him, Ryan, don't you think? Because it's a young team. It's one that's a lot different than any of the other teams he had at Maryland. His first couple weren't very good. Then you had all of the transfers. Then you had the Mellow and Des-led team. And then the one that had all the expectations and couldn't meet him. And then this one. It's so different from the other teams that he's had. And because of that, I think he's more attached emotionally to it as opposed to even last year's team, which was really, really good and had a lot of great players on it, but it was always a one-off. This team, it doesn't feel as much of a one-off because of all the players that are coming back and what's coming in next year. Yeah, I think, you know, it's kind of the, it's, you always, you know, gotta, you know, tilt your head a little bit when a coach says, you know, this is, this is, you know, the best group of kids. And Turgeon didn't, you know, he, I don't think he, he said that, you know, he made sure to qualify it, but I mean, I, you can you can see why he'd make the argument that, you know, this is one of his favorite teams because, you know, with with freshmen like this, you, you know, you have to teach probably a little bit more. And then it's probably a lot more rewarding when, wow, they're playing so well right away. It's got to be, I mean, he and Mello, like whenever he talks about Mello, his face just, you know, if he's talking about Mello in a, in a he's either defending Mello or saying how great Mello just played. And, uh, you know, I think part of it, you know, part of the reason he may have been so emotional after the Michigan State game was, you know, maybe he because he knows that Melo's probably gone, and you know, to see him go out like that must have been really special for for Turgeon. Um, but I think, you know, anytime, you know, kind of like I said with Shaq, you know, if this is, I'm trying to quantify it in like a regular person job, but I can't because this is just a totally different thing. But like. You got everything when you have such like a giant moment that like just like like the Melodrama buzzer beater, it's it's just like that's the biggest thing in your life that could possibly happen. And then I like I can only imagine I'm sure I'd I'd be emotional in the same way. I think, uh, but yeah, yeah, I just think this team. You're, you're right. More than last last year, where it's mostly just he's like just trying to make sure all the players play well together. You know, he has DeMonte as a senior, Mello, who's practically a senior, and then all the young guys. I think that has to be just like, you know, a very good feeling for him. And I'm going to make a reference that only one person listening to this podcast is going to enjoy. And he's going to know who that – and he knows who he is. Uh, this is for my soccer team, Tottenham. And this is the best metaphor that I can make for what Mark Turgeon is going through because in American professional sports, it's very different. Uh, Tottenham had a young player named Harry Winks who started his first game against one of Tottenham's big rivals, a team that we hate a lot, scored a goal, and ran over to the manager, Mauricio Pochettino, and gave him a gigantic hug as soon as he scored because he had been in the academy. He's a boyhood Tottenham fan, so you can imagine what that means to him. You know, scoring a goal in a big game after all the hard work you've done and a manager that believed in you gave you this chance and look at what just happened. And that's been happening a lot with Tottenham recently, but it's the same thing with Melo Triple. He's from the area. He grew up watching Maryland a lot. And then to do what he's done for the program in essence, by himself, transform it from a bit of an also ran to a, wow, this is a 
marquee program again, it's got to be pretty emotional for him. And even though he's not going to come out and say it, that it's probably his last game, he probably knows that it is. And to do what he did to win a very important game, that's emotional for him and his coach. And his coach, whose career was basically saved by Melo Trimble, let's be honest, you know, it's emotional for both of them and it's emotional for the fans. So hopefully that metaphor makes sense. And hopefully, Skip Jack, you like that reference. And now I could be on your podcast at some point in the future. Anyway, let's talk about Maryland in the Big Ten tournament. They play their uh, first game in the tournament Friday night, 9 o'clock. It's the last game at Verizon Center. For the sake of argument, because they could play one of three teams, let's assume they're playing Northwestern because they're going to be the highest seed available. Uh, Thomas, we saw them run Northwestern out of their own gym earlier this month. Mallow Trimble's one of his best games at Maryland, period. Uh, it's a home game. Northwestern's probably in, so that sort of desperation to win in order to make the dance is probably not there, as considering they're already going to be there, but this is a great season for them. What do you want to see Maryland do in this tournament, considering that their tournament seeding is probably not going to be dramatically altered by anything they do in Washington? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, probably a successful tournament for Maryland would be probably just, a, you know, if you end up beating the team that, you know, had beaten you in the regular season, someone like Wisconsin, or, you know, even if they, if they're really lucky, Purdue, just, you know, get, get kind of revenge, I guess, on somebody is probably what, you know, would be a rousing success, but, you know, I don't think they're expected to do too much here. There's really, they don't have a ton to lose or gain unless they win. They'll, they'll gain probably a couple spots if they win it, but, um, they don't really have too much to to lose, you know, but you you definitely do want to win that first game um, with the the tournament being really in your backyard, um, and then from there you, know, you just kind of want to see what what else happens. It's a weird tournament for Maryland, Ryan, because in the last couple of years it's like, oh, Maryland needs to win some to improve their seating, and this year it doesn't really matter. They've already outperformed all reasonable expectations anyway. The only thing I think maybe motivating them or giving them some pressure is the fact that these games are in Washington and their home games, as opposed to games in Chicago and Indianapolis. Uh, what do you think they, I mean, obviously they want to win the tournament, but what do you think they will do? And what do you think they really should do to feel comfortable heading into the big dance? Um, I mean, I think it's like, like Thomas said, there's almost not, that much from a seeding perspective that Maryland loses or gains almost no matter what happens. Uh, I think for Maryland to really make a difference in its seeding might have to get to the conference championship. Um, and I think that'll be tough. Uh, it's, I just, I don't know if I can pick Maryland to beat. I don't think I can pick Maryland to beat Wisconsin. I honestly think, it's probably a win against Northwestern and then um, and then loss against Wisconsin if I if I had to pick, which which I think a lot of fans who maybe aren't watching that closely would be like, oh my God, they're one and done in the tournament. But you know, it's it's really like they're two or three three and done because you know you get the double bye, you know you play one game against a solid Northwestern team and then all of a sudden you're playing, you know, a team that has more experience, maybe not more overall talent, but has been consistently better than Maryland this year in Wisconsin. Um, I think Maryland can beat Wisconsin, but um, I'm not, you know, what I've seen so far, I can't pick Maryland 
to beat Wisconsin. Why are you short shrifting Iowa and Indiana? <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it could ha- it could happen, but I if I don't know. I feel like it'll be Wisconsin. It probably will be, but we have to short shrift those two teams because it just makes sense to go with the highest number seed. And people are wondering, guys, Maryland won their first game the last two years and then ended up losing on Saturday each year to Michigan State. It's not like, you know, they were that disappointing in the two Big Ten tournaments they've been in previously. Two things to mention uh, before we move on from men's basketball to the women's game. Uh, we should mention, of course, the Testuda Times Bracket Challenge has just been unveiled. It's on Yahoo. Oops. You can join up on that right now. You don't need a Yahoo email account to do it. We invite and encourage you to do that. You get to see whether you're smarter than all of us here at Testuda Times at Picky Brackets. You most likely will be. I did terribly last year. I don't remember who won, but it was certainly not one of the main writers or editors. Uh, and if you win, you get the most important thing in the world, which is your ego being inflated and a shout out on this podcast. Isn't that just wonderful? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I don't really remember much about the Testudo Times bracket last year. I I hope I was in it, but you um, were in it. <laughs> OK, good. I'm glad I'm glad I'm glad at least so, someone remembers. Doing, you can go back um, and listen to the podcast from last year because I probably mentioned it. Well, if if I don't remember how I was doing, that's probably not a good sign. Um, yeah, I think it's it's always it's going to be interesting because uh, you know chances are it won't be one of the staff members who wins just by sheer numbers and the fact that you know whatever you think is going to happen isn't going to happen. But uh, you know if you do win, congratulations to you. We will tweet out your praises. We'll tell everyone on Facebook that you won, and we will tell everyone on this podcast, which is something that money just can't buy. No, it can't. And we should also mention for next week for the podcast, we aren't going to have it – we'll have it depending on when Maryland is playing. We will record it Tuesday night. It will be released on Wednesday if Maryland's playing a Thursday-Saturday regional. And if they're playing Friday-Sunday, it'll be recorded Wednesday night and released Thursday. So whatever happens, you'll be able to hear Maryland with at least a day to spare uh, what their matchups are. The Bracketology has them in both Jerry Palm and – Joey Brackett's case, playing a Big East team initially, Xavier Seton Hall, and then in Palm's case, it's Florida State and Orlando, and in Joey Brackett's case, it's Baylor in Tulsa. Don't think they're winning either of those games, but I'd much rather the former than the latter. Let's just say that. <laughs> but all of those are going to be wrong anyway, so it doesn't matter. We'll focus on it when the actual bracket is released. Thomas, speaking of brackets, Let's get on to the women's game because the thing that's been happening in the last couple of years for the Maryland women in the Big Ten tournament happened again. Yeah, they they just really, you know, well they won it for the third time in a row, and they actually didn't get to play the the teams you would you would think. You know, we we're talking about the men's tournament as like, oh, if they win this game against what's obviously going to be Northwestern, you know, then they're definitely going to play Wisconsin. And you know, in the women's team, you you know. You looked at it, they were the two seed. You thought, okay, Michigan's number three, they'll play them in the semis. They'll play number one, Ohio State, in the finals, and they played neither of them. They played the six seed, the 10 seed, and the five seed. Um, Well, in 10, six, five, in that order. And, you know, really didn't get to, I guess, pad their resume as much as they would have wanted. Um, And as a result, they're still kind of a lower two seed, you know, even though they won their conference tournament. 
and are two of course games all season and yeah. still fifth in the AP poll. Essentially, what they they would have had that that win over Ohio State was kind of the missing missing ingredient, whether it would have come in the tournament yeah. or the regular I think, season. I think with that win, and even even without it, there's a case to put them as as high as like fifth overall. Um, but I think seventh is about fair. That would mean they would not be in UConn's region because I'm assuming UConn would get the lowest rated two seed as opposed to the yes. second lowest rated two seed. And yes. We all want and, to see Maryland play UConn why, in the Final Four, not in Bridgeport. In the and that is why Maryland got a gift in Texas losing because Texas probably, if it had reached the Big 12 tournament final um, and then either beaten or you know even lost to Baylor, they'd probably be ahead of Maryland. But Texas went out and lost to West Virginia. Uh, and then West Virginia actually beat Baylor. I don't think that's going to move Baylor too much. Baylor's had a really, really impressive season. So, Despite yeah, it stupid looks, comments. Which she has since kind of backed off of, which is what happens when your comments get backlash. Yeah. Anyway, uh, do you think that this tournament did much other than, I mean, winning three straight Big Ten tournaments, three straight conference tournament titles is amazing no matter what you do. But don't, doesn't it feel a bit hollow that they haven't in the last two years had a chance to beat the team that they couldn't beat in the regular season? I mean, this year more so because, you know, they they played Michigan State in the final last year. Michigan State last year was, you know, I think they ended up being a five seed in the tournament. And that's actually like where Ohio State might end up this year. Like, you know, it, it's just not the same. And the, the team they beat in the title game was a bubble team uh, in Purdue. And I, th- I think Purdue will end up in, like, they played – they beat Ohio State. They played Maryland pretty well. They did what they could. Uh, but anyway, like, you know, it's just that disparity is, you know, it does take a little bit of the luster out of it. Well, it's still pretty cool, though, because obviously with Maryland being a two seed, this tournament didn't change that, obviously. But they're going to host games in College Park for the seventh straight year in the NCAA tournament. The last time they didn't was when they weren't in the tournament and the play, the locations for the first and second round games were not actually on college campuses of the highest seeds. So Maryland's hosting it again. And that means you get two more uh, Shatori Walker, Kimbrough, and Bree Jones games at Xfinity Center, which is pretty and awesome. And that's always good news. That's it's good, good and, it, and it's great news for the writers of this website, which means they don't have to go anywhere to cover the games. <laughs> it, 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 yep. it is good for the lazy and also good for the radio stations that should be covering more women's games than they do and now can because the tournament games are at home. And they'll get good spots because, for whatever reason, ESPN will call the games off monitor. Uh, anyway, there are other sports that are going on. We should mention them briefly at the end of the show. Uh, Thomas was actually writing up a baseball recap as we were recording this podcast Wednesday night, of course. Uh, tell us about what's been going on in the spring sports before we leave. Yeah, well, um, baseball is on a now five-game winning streak. They, you know, as, as, we're, as we were recording this, they – uh, finished a win over St. Joseph's um, that was tied 5-5 entering the bottom of the eighth and they scored six runs in the bottom of the eighth and that that ended it. Damn, uh, another comeback. Yeah, they, they fell behind and 4 nothing in the second inning this on Wednesday's game and then Tuesday they were down 6 nothing in the top of the second. They scored four runs. They cut it to a two-run game each time. So, you know, kind of a trend, I guess. It's a weird trend, but a trend. Um, and yeah, Maryland women's lacrosse will have played by the time this podcast is published. Um, they should end up beating Boston College. There. Um, yeah. 
and Maryland men's lacrosse couldn't quite take down um, Notre Dame in South Bend. Notre Dame is now number one in the country as a result of that. So, you know, it's it's about as non-damaging of a loss as can be. It was also five to four. Maryland doesn't play many low-scoring games now. I mean, in the past they used to, but not much this year. No, it was it was it was kind of uncharacteristic, but uh, you know. Notre Dame, yeah, Notre Dame's pretty good. And, I mean, that game was, Maryland was, I think it was something like 4-1 to one for a while, too. I mean, Maryland was Maryland sort of made a comeback at the end, if I, if I recall correctly. I didn't watch I the believe. game. I couldn't give you that answer. <laughs> I believe so, but I, I, I don't remember it off the top of my head. And also, didn't softball beat another ranked team? Yeah, in, yeah, they beat, Missouri is kind of on the fringes of ranked, and they definitely won't be ranked this week. Um, yeah, yeah, they have, they're three fifteen and one, and one of those wins was at Florida and the other win is at, you know, Missouri. That's, that's, that's a weird year. What, what a team. It's a uh, fun times for Maryland softball. Of course, be sure to enjoy the tournament Friday and hopefully Saturday and Sunday. We'll be back before the big one starts. Make sure you join up for the bracket challenge. And we will also have a we'll have a much bigger show next week, of course, because we'll have to preview all the games and all the possibilities. And we'll also talk about the women's team as well and their run in the first weekend. So thank you both for being here, and we'll make sure your mixtapes are on the way. <laughs> thank you. Sounds good. I don't know who's going to be making them. It won't be me because my taste in music is a bit old. But somebody on this website will do it, and will do a very good job of it. Uh, until then, a very helpful reminder. Go Terps.